Good afternoon you and happy new year It's the final time I'll say that Welcome to the Richie Allen Show We're back on air It's Monday the 8th of January 2024 I'm the BBG Fantastic to be talking with you today So it is Uncensored Unfiltered You're listening to Richie Allen On the world's most popular independent news radio show It's the Richie Allen Show Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ballin Robe in County Mayo. You might have heard of it. It's been kicking off there over the weekend because of Ireland's Integration Department, or the Department of Integration. It has plans to put asylum seekers into a disused building, a disused hotel there. Uh, it's been confirmed today by Ireland's Department for Integration that families will be housed there. It's a very serious issue. It's been going on for about a year now around Ireland and it's garnered uh, the attention of the international media. We'll talk about it with Herman Kelly. Herman is the president of Ireland's Freedom Party. Uh, the Irish Freedom Party, I should say. The Irish Freedom Party. Herman Kelly will be on the programme this hour. And a little bit later on... Uh, Maria Heller will join me live from Arizona in the United States. It's been ages since Maria was on the programme. I'm looking forward to talking with her. So that's Monday's programme. Then you can reach out to me the usual way. You can leave a message via the app. There is an app for the programme. Failing that, you can leave a message via richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live. How are you? Are you well? I genuinely mean it when I ask. I do mean it. Absolutely. I hope you've had a good Christmas and a good New Year and you're looking forward to, I don't know, the week ahead, the month ahead or the year ahead. I hope you are. Anyhow, let's, um, what are we going to talk about? Obviously, the situation in Ireland is very serious in Mayo and I've got some interesting audio. I was listening to the Irish media over over the weekend speaking about the mythical far right in Ireland. So we'll get into this with Herman Kelly uh, shortly. So I'll leave that for now. Or will I? Just to tell you that RTE, the Irish National Broadcaster, is reporting this afternoon that the protest, which, as I said, has been going on for a number of days outside the disused hotel in Ballinrobe County, Mayo, has ended uh, after the Department of Integration confirmed the premises will be used to house families seeking asylum. Now, that's a very important distinction, families. It was initially earmarked for adult males, but maybe the protest has had some impact on the decision not to put adult males there and now to put families there. What's going on? As I said, we'll get the Irish Freedom Party take on this in around about 30 minutes' time. So we'll leave it for now. How about that? Right, so this fascinated me over the weekend. An employment tribunal in the UK ruled that Lloyds Bank, or Lloyds Banking Group, had unfairly dismissed a man called Carl Borgneal. Love those double-barreled surnames, you. Those hyphenated surnames. Carl Borgneal was fired, discriminated against, and the tribunal said he was wrongfully fired based on his dyslexia. He was discriminated against on account of his dyslexia, which leads him to sport things out before he loses his train of thought. Now, he's been given damages of around a half a million quid. Also, Lloyds have had to pay his legal costs and tax. The bank will have a bill of around a million pounds. I'm sure Lloyds can afford a million quid. So what did he sport out then? 
this man that led to his dismissal and all of this kerfuffle. Well, he was invited to an online training session about race and how to deal with race relations in the workplace and all of that. Inclusivity and that old bollocks, right? So that's what he was invited to do. There was about 100 Lloyd's managers on this online session thing. And there was a discussion about something entitled, wait for it, quote, intent versus effect, end quote. And during this module online, Mr. Borg Neil Carr, if you please, he asked how to handle a situation if he was to hear someone from an ethnic minority use a word that would be offensive if it was used by somebody not of the same ethnicity. Now, the trainer didn't understand the question because the trainer was as thick as mince. It's obvious what he was getting at. So if a bloke of colour was to use a word, a slur that would be used against people of colour, how do we deal with that? You know, do we let him away with it? Because if somebody not of colour was to use the slur, well, they might be in trouble. So the trainer didn't understand and said to Carl Borgneil, well, can you explain it to me? And Carl said, well, look, the most common example, he says, would be the use of the N-word in the black community. But he didn't say N-word. He used the word nigger which apparently are never to use under any circumstances ever. We'll come back to that in a moment. Toby Young from the Free Speech Union, here he is discussing this on GB News. He'd worked for Lloyds Bank. He was a senior manager. He'd worked there for 27 years. It was his first uh, diversity training session. It was online because it was during the pandemic. The trainer, as you said, uh, came out with various reassuring, soothing statements beforehand. Don't be afraid to be clumsy. This is your opportunity to say how you really feel. No such thing as a bad question. Yes. Which, by the way, are red flags, if you ever... Yeah, look out if they say that. Um, uh, and um, in the course of the session, they were talking about what languages appropriate and inappropriate to use in the workplace and when you should reprimand your employees if you're a line manager. Yes. And he said, well, isn't it context dependent? So if someone of one ethnicity uses a word, it might be appropriate for them. But if someone of another ethnicity uses the same word, then it might be inappropriate. Sure. And the trainer said, what do you mean? And so he, as an example, uh, said the N-word when members of the black community are talking to each other. Yes. So two black colleagues in the workplace might use the N-word in conversation. Should he reprimand them for doing that? I mean, it's a perfectly legitimate question, and I think he asked it in all innocence. He wanted to know the answer. Um, and uh, she was... Yeah, but he was supposed to use the N-word. You're not allowed to say the word nigger. And I'm not saying it to offend or wind anybody up. I'm saying it in context. This is the word he used. He said, if a black person refers to another black person as a nigger, how do we deal with that? He was incredibly offended because he didn't say the N-word. He actually used the N-word when he asked the question. But, but there had been a statement at the start of the workshop saying, just speak freely. and these Don't be afraid to be clumsy. And these are difficult issues. And he was reassured by that because he suffers from dyslexia. And that can prompt him sometimes to blurt things out without processing them properly beforehand. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, instead of answering the question, she reprimanded him told him he could no longer contribute, had to be quiet. Afterwards, uh, she was so, claimed to be so traumatised by having heard the N-word... Wait for it. ...that she took five days off work. <laughs> she took five days off work. That sounds like opportunism to me. Jesus, I hate my job. Guy said the N-word. I'm traumatised, therefore I can get paid leave. Wonderful. Um, and... and <laughs> 
and 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 her employers uh, reported the incident to Lloyds Bank. Yes. They placed Carl under investigation. Placed him under investigation. And six months later, fired him. Fired him. For gross misconduct. But she's a race awareness trainer, isn't she? She, she, <laughs> she should be familiar with these issues and words and terms. Well, she said at the beginning of the session, race is a difficult issue to talk about. Yes. But you can speak freely. This is a safe space. Don't feel embarrassed about being clumsy, saying wonderful, the wrong thing. Wonderful. We are in a safe space. We can say anything we like. This is a where we get to the bottom of how to deal with these things. What if a black person calls another black person a nigger? Get out! Get out! You don't speak again and you're fired. Now what I found really funny today, I love this days off work, distressed. I love it. Conversations with friends would have been hilarious. You alright Monica? No. What's up? I'm off work. Why? I heard a word, a bad word. So I'm off work for five days. Um, I'll tell you who's fuming about the payout because Mr. Borg What's his name? Borg Neil Carl. Carl has been given a half a million quid. I tell you who's properly pissed off. A black dude called Nels Abbey. He's a writer. He's properly, he can't get over this. He's properly cheesed off. You will hear the presenter on LBC. His name is Ali Mirage. You'll hear him first. Then you'll hear the snowflake black author who is absolutely pissed that Carl, who used the word nigger, should be given half a million pounds in compensation having been fired. Listen, presenter first. Why is it bizarre and strange if an industrial tribunal uh, has awarded a dyslexic man £500,000 for asking a question that doesn't seem to be uh, at all uh, out of order, apart from the fact that you he uses You don't think the... that somebody blurting out the full no, N-word... No, 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 no. The full N-word. You don't think that somebody blurting out the full N-word... You don't think that's unacceptable? Hold on, hold on a second. I said Please. the question that he... Hold on. I said the question that he asked does not seem to be unreasonable at all. The fact that he uses the full N-word absolutely is offensive. Although I still can't understand, Nels, why so many rappers use it. Can you? Yes, yes, I can understand Go why on. so many rappers use please, it. Please um, tell me. Because they're completely inarticulate and most rappers are dreadful writers and wouldn't know a good song if it smacked them in the face. Rap is garbage. Because it's not just any rapper who uses it. It happens to be black rappers who yes. use it. So they can it's use it, can they? Yes, they can use Eminem, it. Eminem cannot use it, but black rappers can. Use it Why? Again, because these are... Do you really... Do, Ali, am I really going to have to go over the last 500 years of, of the existence... 500 years. ...of black people and the treatment of black people and the origins of the word, of the, of the N-word? He says it's a word with six letters. The word is nigger. Nigger, get over it. Just say the word out loud. It doesn't, you know, nigger. I mean, use it in context. Not that you'll ever have many con- opportunities to use it contextually. The, the opportunities will very rarely present themselves... I mean, if you refer to a black person as a nigger, you are an arsehole and you deserve whatever you get, really. But most people wouldn't do that because most people are pretty decent. But occasionally, the opportunity might present itself when you might have to say the word out loud. You might even have to read a novel about slavery in the Deep South. And there might be a paragraph and the word might be contained within paragraph three or four times. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Mr... Smith, the plantation owner, said that John was a N-word. You're not going to do that, are you? Say the word. It's no big deal. And how they've actually reclaimed it or so. Oh, so this is an hour reclamation. So, so, yes, so, because right. there's a very big difference, Ali. There's a very big difference between somebody who's actually descended from the enslaved or so and then turning around and saying, that, no, that this is a term that we're going to take the stigma out of it and actually reclaim it as something that's positive. But that if the stigma's out of it, then why can't a white man use it? Sorry, I'm confused. Because 
difference between somebody who's a descendant of the enslaved and somebody who's a descendant of the enslaver. Descendant of the enslaver. I'd love to, I, I don't, I, I, do you know what, I tried, but the, I'm in the wrong country. I need to do it in Ireland. I'd love to trace my family tree back, but I'm pretty sure that none of my ancestors were involved in slavery. So does that mean I can use the word nigger in context when it's appropriate? Again, which would be very, very, very rarely. Is that how it works? Also, because it's a very, very big difference. I, will, I, don't, I, I, I honestly, Nels, I can't understand. And sorry, I'm digressing here. Uh, I can't all. understand why it's, someone. It's really not difficult to understand. Well, well, well it is for me. Maybe, maybe I don't have the, the intelligence level you do, but I, I do find it slightly odd that if, if a word is offensive, I wouldn't go around using the P word. Oh, Jesus, the P word. The word is packy. Just say the word. It's packy. It's not going to hurt anybody. For example, right? In any context, because I would find it offensive. So I find it a bit odd that rappers are lauding this word. I Why not in any context? Why would you not? The, the guy is the British Asian, the presenter is British Asian. Why would you not use it in any context? If I was to come across the guy on the streets of London and I was to call him a big, dirty, rotten old packy, what would he do when he went to the police station? Say, I, I met an Irish guy, big, baldy guy, and he called me the P word. Would he not say the word packy? These people are nuts, aren't they? And there's, th- th- there's a deeper issue here, of course, than just than just words, hearty words and hearty feelings. It's about, it's about censorship and it's about self-censorship. It really is. I mean, someone verbally abusing a person of colour, calling them that name is contemptible, but someone using it in context, like, excuse me, for example, a racial awareness training woman, like if a person of colour uses that word, should it be raised as an issue? It's crazy stuff, this, isn't it? And it costs lives a million pounds. Thankfully, the tribunal ruled in favour of the man who used the word, which is a slur word, obviously, when used against somebody, but he used it in context. It was very commonplace, by the way, at one time for British Asians to be called Paki. It was. It's not nice, but it was commonplace. So how do you speak about that? I mean, you might talk about that in context. Do you remember those days when people used to use the term, and then you say P-word, you just sound and look like an idiot. Use the word, it harms nobody. Anyway, 14 minutes past the hour. Listen, parents will be told to send children who have runny noses or sore throats to school as part of a new UK government drive to try and cut down on absenteeism. Now, we've heard quite a bit about absenteeism since the whole COVID scam and the lockdowns. Now, the campaign... Is, uh, has been given a title. It is Moments Matter, Attendance Counts. It was launched this weekend to convince parents to send their children to school even if they have minor illnesses. Now, this is gaslighting. I mentioned this on the Papers podcast earlier on because they spent about two years telling people if you so much had a tickle in your sinuses that you should isolate yourself and not pass on the dreaded covid to the person next to you or the person at work or the person in school. Now they're telling people, if your kids are sneezing and they've got a runny nose, send them in anyway. So what, what does that do to the mentality, do you think, of people? It's gaslighting them, right? Anyway, they've created 18 new attendance hubs across six regions um, because more than a quarter of secondary school pupils last year were classed as persistently absent meaning they missed out on at least 10% of school sessions. Okay, so these hubs will be run by schools 
which have excellent attendance so that they can share practical ideas with other primary, secondary schools and what have you to boost their attendance. Let's enter the mentally challenged. You see, you and me, we've got a brain. We, we don't share a brain. We've got our own brains. We understand what has happened here. They have absolutely assaulted the minds of young people. They terrorised them throughout 2020. They really did. They deprived them of their right to go to school, to be with their friends, to take school trips and all of that. They told them it was deadly dangerous and it might kill granny. Now they said everything is okay, but a lot of kids are not going back. So I know this is complex, I know this, but COVID and the lockdowns, I reckon, take the lion's share of the blame as to why the absenteeism is so prevalent. Enter the mentally challenged. Scrap that. Forget about political correctness. The mentally handicapped man that is James O'Brien who works for LBC, who's really only an actor who plays the role of a lefty liberal radio host. His job is to bash the Tories day in and day out to balance GB News, which does the opposite, which bashes Labour and supports the Conservatives. It's the illusion of choice. It's happening in the broadcast media now. It used to be the newspapers. It was the Mirror, of course, supporting Labour and the unions. And it was the Sun supporting the Conservative Party. Now you have the illusion of choice on television and on radio. If you're a lefty and you want Labour to win the next election, James O'Brien and LBC, well, that's your place to be. He's mentally handicapped. He reckons the kids are missing school because they've become disillusioned about something he labels the silent social contract. Listen to this. I genuinely fear, and I don't think you can convince me that I'm wrong on this, actually, because it's just an opinion. It's not counting. (laughs) I genuinely fear that, that a lot of young people are looking at the social contract, the silent social contract, and they're seeing... They're seeing the most powerful, influential people in our society cheating and lying and prospering. You know? Doesn't get any more intellectually redundant. So the absenteeism is down to children who just don't care anymore. You know, why should I care? Why should I do the right thing when you look at the cheating and the lying politicians? There's a great irony here because he's referring exclusively to the government and the government before it, Truss, and the government before that, Johnson, and the government before that, Cameron. So he's blaming the Tories for the apathy amongst the young. The people that sold them Brexit, stole their birthright, promoted. Sold them Brexit, stole their birthright. Right, Brexit has got nothing to do with children not going to school. What else did this government that you hate so much do to children? Don't think too hard now. Prospering. The liars, the cheats that have populated government now for years. And then there's the bottom of the mountain where working hard and playing by the rules means you might just about survive. It doesn't mean you're going to be on the property ladder by the time you're 30. No mention whatsoever of COVID or the lockdowns or the terror. Don't kill granny, don't kill granddad, don't go to school. No mention of that. So it's all right to hate on the Tories in the context of talking about Brexit, but it is unacceptable to hate on the Tories and talk about what the Tories did in enforcing lockdown in the UK through 2020 and 2021. He gives a phone number out here, 
Go on, it's day one, really. I will be professional for the rest of the year. For the crack, he gives a phone number. You might take it down. And if you want to make me laugh, you might phone him a few times in the next few days and weeks. And you might drop in the Richie Allen show. So why is your child not going to school? Go on. 0345 I'll take any answer you've got on that. There's the phone number. Give him a call and tell him the way it is. Listen, this is the Richie Allen Show. It's 20 minutes past the hour of 4 o'clock. It's Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. I'm pretty sure I said 2024 at the top of the programme. I am determined not to fall into that old trap of taking two to three weeks to get used to the fact that it is in 2023. No, he doesn't mention COVID, even though he knows COVID is the reason, or is, as I said, takes the lion's share of the blame, the, the, the scam, the lockdowns, for the mentality of children today. He talks about Brexit. Most kids don't know anything about Brexit and they couldn't give a shit about it. You know, kids are fed up with lying, cheating politicians, he says, so why should I try? Intellectual LBC and James O'Brien are certainly not. Should protesters pay for the policing of their protest marches? Did you come across this over the weekend? So pro-Palestine march organisers should be charged to help cover the costs of policing under proposals being looked at by the Home Office. Yes, number of Tory MPs and Tory peers are saying that, um, yes... These protests that take up so much police time and resources and so much money should be paid paid for by those who take to the streets. Oh, this is dystopian, isn't it? There is an official review. It's being led by somebody called Lord Walney. Search me, I haven't a clue who he is or who she is for that matter. Uh, but Lord Walney, wait for it, is the government's independent advisor on political violence and disruption. Wow. And Lord Walney said there is a case for charging because of the great amount of police resource being absorbed by protests, particularly since October 7th, particularly since the Israeli genocide against Palestine. Now, Julia Hartley Brewer put this to somebody called Natasha Hausdorff. Natasha Hausdorff is a lawyer. She's director of UK Lawyers for Israel, and she's not embarrassed by that at all. Why would anybody be for Israel? I've no idea. Here she is. I think you may hear the radio presenter herself first. There's some calls, uh, even from the uh, Lord Walney, uh, the former Labour MP John Woodcock. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, now an, the government's independent advisor on political violence and disruption, saying that uh, he thinks that these protesters should have to pay for their own policing. Would you agree with that? Well, unfortunately, I think the, the negative elements that you've referenced have uh, apparently been encouraged by the abject failure of the Metropolitan Police in particular to do their job for the last three months now, which seems to have encouraged further lawlessness. And What, what lawlessness? And I, I don't see the Metropolitan Police failing to do its job. I've seen video footage of protests in London, pro-Palestinian protests, very well attended protests with tens of thousands of people. And I've seen plenty of bobbies there. They're not bobbies, really. Met police, so they're not failing to do their job. They're not, um, they're, you know, they're not sitting at home scratching their backsides while these protests are taking place. And um, what, what criminality is she talking about? And continues to allow a free pass for uh, terror support on the streets. Terror support. It's amazing. Again, we, we go back to the first story I talked about, the madness of people saying things like the N-word. Here, here is a woman who, who goes on national radio and describes those who have taken to the streets of the UK 
to do one thing and one thing only, to demand that their government puts pressure on Israel to stop bombing innocent men, women and children in Gaza and to support the rights of the Palestinian people to self-determination. That's why they protest. And this bibe, look it up, it's an Irish colloquialism, uh, this bastard who represents the lawyers for Israel, UK, whatever that is, calls them terror supporters. It's an amazing world we inhabit now, isn't it? When people who go out peacefully to say, please stop killing men, women and children, uh, please don't support it, don't give Israel any more money, kick out the ambassador, impound all of Israel's assets in the UK. This is wrong, let's not do this anymore. And they can be called terror supporters. Um, the difficulty, I think, uh, with the proposals for payment, apart from practically how one goes about uh, enforcing those, is that it seems to be distracting from that failure of policing. There's no failure of policing. I've seen the protests outside Media City in Salford. And you've got the police there with their cameras videoing the videoing filming the protests. There's no lack of police presence. This bastard, and I say that say it again, I take I make no ex apologies for it. This little Nazi, I don't know if she's Jewish or not, a Nazi wants people to be locked up and labelled as terror supporters because they dare to demand that Israel stops carpet bombing Gaza and killing babies. You're a terror supporter. Amazing, isn't it, the inversion of that? What an inversion. I'm calling for the cessation of terror. You are a terror supporter, you evil bastard. 25 minutes, it is past the hour. Former Metropolitan Police Detective Peter Blexley, on the same issue, on the same radio station, charging protesters to police the protests they attend. What I'd like to see is these protests policed robustly and the laws of the lands being applied in so much as the people who carry offensive banners and flags and shout for jihad. Another Nazi, Peter Blexley. What I'd like to see is people be arrested for carrying offensive banners and for calling for jihad. I want people arrested for speaking their mind. Another Nazi, let's leave him there, 26 minutes past the hour. Nearly. I'm Richie Allen, this is your Richie Allen Show. Thank you for your messages so far. Lots of them coming in. It is good to be back with you. And I know you love this. You love this. I'm with you till mid-April. No break. Mid-April. Three months. Three and a half months. Me and you. Yeah, three and a half months I had to do that thing. Uh, today, by the way, is day eight. Do you like this? Today is day eight of sobriety for the BBG. If I refer to myself in the third person again, you have free reign to... Be Jesus slapped the be Jesus out of me, right? If you want to do that, Maria Heller will be on the programme later on. Before that, though, Herman Kelly, president of the Irish Freedom Party. This is the Four Tops on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Monday's programme. Reach out, I'll be there from the Four Tops on the Richie Allen Show, 29 minutes. Past the hour of four o'clock, four o'clock, four of the clock. Keep the messages coming in. Thank you for them. It is uh, an interesting story in Ballinrobin, County Mayo. Now, it's one we've seen in many parts of Ireland in the last 12 months. And as I said, it's garnered international media attention. Right, what we're talking about is the propensity for local authorities across Ireland to commandeer buildings in villages often villages that have um, got, you know, scant 
resources and public services, but commandeering buildings and then placing asylum seekers, often, but not always, often young men, into these um, hotels or, or other buildings, um, causing distress in, in some many cases to the local population. And we've seen protests arise out of those incidents. Now, RTE, the Irish National Broadcaster, is reporting this afternoon that the protest we discussed, which has been taking place or was taking place outside a disused hotel in Ballinrobin County, Mayo, a protest that has had a lot of attention on it in recent days, has ended with the Department of Integration confirming the premises would be used to house families seeking asylum. This place was initially earmarked for adult males, but uh, it has now been announced by the Department for Integration that families seeking asylum will be housed at this hotel in Ballinrobe County, Mayo. Let's welcome back to the programme the President of the Irish Freedom Party, Herman Kelly. And Herman will be running in the forthcoming June 2024 European election. It's nice to speak with you again, Herman. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, yourself, Richie, and to all your listeners. Uh, You're all going to have a, a fine, prosperous 2024. Let's and I certainly hope for the Irish Freedom Party. We're going to have a very busy uh, six months running up to the European election. And I expect that me, Michael Leahy in the South, and Diamond O'Connor in, in Dublin will, I, I expect to do very well because the issue of immigration and immigration control is very high on the agenda throughout Ireland at the moment. I have no doubt, and I have to say I'm not too familiar now with vote share and you know electoral statistics of recent years in Ireland, but not knowing anything about the vote share, I have no doubt your, your vote will definitely increase, I think, in the coming months. Let's talk about, by June I should say 2024, let's talk about the incident in May. It's a number, one of a number of incidents. And this statement this afternoon by the Department for Integration, that is, it is now intended that families and children in need of shelter will be accommodated there and not adult males as was originally proposed. Is that significant? Is that some sort of victory for the locals in Ballon Road there? Well, it's it's one of three uh, protests, major protests that are going on in three different areas in Ireland at the minute. There was Ballinrobe in County Mayo in the west. There was the town of Erlingford in County Kilkenny. And then there's Fermoy, which has been going on for weeks in County Cork. Now, in all those areas, the people were opposed to... to Mass immigration coming inside. Just let me deal with someone here. Uh, Take your time, Herman. You're all right, pal. I can read a couple of comments. If can some, you hear me okay? I can hear you lovely. You sound beautiful. But if you've got somebody there okay. you need to um, to deal with, I can read a few comments and then we can pick no, it up. No, no, no. I, 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 I can hear now or sound here and I want to get rid of it. It might be. I don't know if you were uh, listening to the program before we came on air. If you were, that might be the problem. Here, let me get off. Sorry. Turn me off. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to get rid of it here. Uh, I'll let you do that and I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs of this story while 
Herman sorts that out. So this is the statement from the Department for Integration in Ireland. While initially earmarked for adult males, there is now an acute shortage of accommodation for families and children, and it is now intended to place families into this property over the coming days, the statement said. This protest began on Friday at the former J.J. Gannon's Hotel on Ballinrobe's Main Street after news of the plan first emerged locally, and that's why we invited Herman back on the programme. Have you turned us off? You have. Yeah, so I, I think what happened, Richie, is that it was a classic bait and switch by the, the Department of Integration. They asked for 100 and they settled for 50. Now, the problem of uh, allowing just women and children saying, oh, that's okay, it's purely to do with this, the security of the town, it is a huge and a very significant factor in one of the reasons why people were opposed. But also, there's also the, the financial factor of we don't, we don't have a moral or, or legal obligation to give a free house and accommodation and welfare to every person who lands in Ireland. There's also the cultural uh, cost to the Irish people, which is what well, we want, and demographic, we want, Irish people have a right to our homeland, we have a right to a national democracy, and uh, it's not right uh, that anybody and everybody can come and really, what is, equivalent to a colonisation. Herman, can I stop you country. there? Can, can I stop you there if you don't mind? But doesn't Ireland, like every other country in Europe, doesn't it have certain obligations under certain treaties as, as a member of the European Union and it signed up well, to a number of refugee treaties like other countries? Doesn't Ireland have a responsibility to take some refugees or some asylum seekers? Yeah, but the, the problem is, Richie, yes. Okay, let's deal with those very quickly. One, in regards to EU legislation, yeah, we do have a problem with EU open borders and free movement for 440 million people. We're signed up that, and it's very dangerous. But on regards uh, asylum seeker legislation in the EU, Ireland actually has an opt-out on justice and home affairs. So we have an opt-out, so we don't have a legal obligation to take in so-called asylum seekers, etc. On the EU, sorry, UN, uh, Geneva Convention stuff, yes, we have signed up, up to that, but it's a matter of a vote in the National Parliament to vote yourself uh, to get rid of that, uh, signing up to that legislation and making the safety and security of your own people the priority in your country. Because at the minute, 20% of the po- over. 20% of the population, according to official statistics, are now non-nationals. Now, physically, when you rock, walk around the, the, the country, it's much higher than that. And I, I just think this whole, like, yeah, we don't want to become like the rest of Europe. We don't want to become like Malmo in Sweden, which is the rape capital of Europe. We don't want a repeat of the scenes that we see in Paris, in Berlin, all over Europe, where it's become unsafe and where conflict is the, is the mo- is a measure of virtually every day, I think to allow in large amounts of unvetted people into the country, who like sixty one percent of people who land in Dublin Airport claim an asylum, sixty one percent of them say that they've lost their passports between getting on the plane and getting off the plane. So we know we're being lied to. The main reason they're here that we know of is that there's such large welfare payments. They're getting free accommodation, free welfare, free medical care. It's a huge financial inducement for people to come to Ireland. And yet we're, the Irish people are the ones who carry the cost. Would you believe for refugees, if 
a refugee from Ukraine or an economic migrant from Ukraine who comes to Ireland, they have an automatic right to a house, an automatic right to, to welfare, a medical card, but an Irish person does not. That's not fair. If a Ukrainian asylum seeker goes looking for a house, they have an 800 euro tax-free grant, which they can give to a landlord, but an Irish person doesn't. Hang on, the medical card, hang on, the medical cards in Ireland are distributed via a means testing system. So if you can afford to pay to see a doctor, and if you can afford to pay prescription charges, you don't get a medical card. But if you can't afford to pay for a doctor, you get a medical card. It's important to point that out. Like Irish people are not being denied medical cards. If they if they qualify for them, well, they get again, them, right? As you, as you point out correctly, that they're means tested. And many people who go to work every day and don't have a high income, that they don't have medical cover. They have to pay for their medical care. But if you come in, it doesn't matter if you come into Ireland in a huge Range Rover or a huge uh, Volvo uh, Land Cruiser. Uh, it doesn't matter you're... If you're a Ukrainian asylum seeker or uh, economic migrant, you're not means tested. You have an automatic right to a medical card, an automatic right to housing, and Irish people who go out to work and do not have these things. So it's very, very unfair. Herman, let me ask so, you. Let me ask on, you this: If if the Irish Freedom Party, and I'm I'm not being remotely sarcastic when I say this, I mean this: If there was a a massive shock. In the next, I mean, the, the Irish Taoiseach, um, Leo Varadkar, has has not committed to a general election in Ireland this year, although there, there might still be an election. But if there was, and the Irish Freedom Party was to somehow find itself in government, in coalition, what would your asylum policy be? Let me, let me ask you more directly. Like, for example, we have... We've had problems in West Africa, right, over the years, Liberia, right, um, yeah. Nigeria, Sierra Leone, where you might have a madman and he might be genociding people in that country and they run for their lives like most human beings would. What would you say as the president of the Irish Freedom Party? What role would you want to play in helping people running from that kind of insanity? running from a despot well, that's killing people and disappearing people in the middle of the night and murdering families and burning villages. What, 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 what would be okay. the Irish Freedom Party response to that? I'll deal with that. That there are genuine refugees across the world and I believe that Ireland does have some moral responsibility to, to help people, but it's constrained by our re- resources that we have in the country and also if we have a huge amount of bogus economic migrants in Ireland, well, that obviously pre- precludes and stops us taking in genuine refugees. I pointed out there the, the number of people, the large number of people who have come into Ireland in the last 15 years put huge strain on our, well, there's a housing crisis in Ireland already. That's compounded massively by uh, unrestricted, uncontrolled immigration and that uh, we mentioned their medical cards. Irish people have to get up and go to work in the morning to provide the financial resources to do that. Look, Ireland is full. We don't have enough houses to house the Irish people. I think there's 13, 14,000 Irish people homeless at the minute, including 4,000 uh, Irish children. Surely in Ireland, Irish people deserve the resources of Ireland before we hand them over to to somebody Ireland, else. Ireland but should come first, specifically you mean. on the issue that you talk about, asylum seekers, look, 
if they are asylum seekers, yes, we help them for a temporary period until they then inevitably must go back to, they must leave Ireland to come here on a temporary basis. And anyway, Ireland is clearly not the first uh, safe port of call that if people are coming from Nigeria or Liberia or countries No, like I get that, you, I get you, but I get in. you, but if Ireland is part of some UN agreement, whether it's first yes. port of call or not, Ireland would be expected to take its fair share. Look, I'm putting these points of view to you in the absence no, of I, the I, other I, side, I would right? Give you a very straightforward and simple principle that immigration policy into Ireland must be determined by the needs of the Irish people and not by the desires of other people to come to Ireland. Herman, let me put a couple of if, let me put a couple of things to you in the time we have. I I'm not obviously going to rush you. We have till the top of the hour. Um Herman Kelly is our guest. Herman is the president of the Irish Freedom Party and he's standing as as he mentioned earlier as are a number of other uh, candidates for for his party in the European elections this coming June. Now, I I always invite um those who would oppose you and others who share your views on the programme. I do it even though I know there's a snowball chance, a snowball has a better chance in hell than these people do of coming on, but I've got to do it. So I invite people on all the time. They don't come on. So I want to play you some audio. And this is Shane O'Curry. This guy uh, heads up something called the Irish Network Against Racism. And he's talking about the far right and he's talking, I'm not not saying you're far right at all or anything like it, but he's talking about this, what I would consider to be a mythical far right in Ireland. And he's talking about certain claims about undocumented migrants and in the absence of any of these people coming on, it's only right and proper we get a tiny bit of balance. This is Shane O'Curry, Irish Network Against Racism, speaking to Morning Ireland. It's not a long clip, Herman, and then you can respond at the end of it. It's a pattern that we saw emerging going back five years now uh, when uh, known far-right actors uh, were observed by colleagues who have who have since gone on to form the Hope and Courage Collective, um, emulating the, the strategies and tactics of far-right actors in the UK and Britain and beyond, uh, posing as citizen journalists and creating issues around uh, places, uh, hotels and other centres that are uh, either um, thought to be earmarked for, for housing international protection applicants uh, or uh, by, uh, you know, by the very act of their uh, active misinformation and disinformation rumoured to be. He says that people posing as citizen journalists are basically far-right actors who've got no time whatsoever for, you know, people from, 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 from other ethnicities. And they're spreading misinformation and disinformation to store up, obviously, a lot of hostility towards migrants, economic or, or, or those seeking refugee status. How do you respond to that, Shane O'Curry? Well, that organisation of which he is head, it, it was just renamed there recently. It was the European Net network against racism up until really up until quite recently i uh the the head of it was up until a year or so ago uh they actually had an event in the european parliament here about uh, i think about eight months ago where the head of it uh was involved with the uh, muslim brotherhood which is classed as a terrorist organization so the O'Curry and his crowd are actually ideologically committed 
to mass uh, unsafe mass immigration into Ireland, and they're happy to destroy our sense of nationhood, and uh, they're happy with the second plantation or the colonization of Ireland. There is no, uh, probably about 100 people who, who you could class as far right in Ireland. For example, the Irish Freedom Party, we, st we stand up and have done so consistently for freedom of speech. We stand up, we stood, and I have been prosecuted for organizing rallies against the government-imposed lockdown, which would remove people's right to, to travel, to work, to see their family, etc. We are the ones who stand up for lower tax, lower, less power for the government, more choice for individuals, for families. So if anything, it's the, the hard, loony left of which Mr. Curry would be a, a great example who would who are in favor of the, the powerful authoritarian state who uh, which I believe is much more dangerous. And the problem is it is very heavily funded by the by the government. All these NGOs are heavily funded by the government to the tune of six billion euro per year, eight percent of the Irish budget. And they are it is a type of slush fund political funding by the government for left-wing ideological Hold groups. that thought now, hold so, that thought, because Shane O'Curry, we're going to hear one more clip from Shane O'Curry, which you'll get to respond to. Shane O'Curry would probably say, listen, I don't want the I don't want the plantation of any race of people on Ireland. I don't want to, you know, to to for Ireland to lose its Irishness. All I want, he might say, is for those who come to the country seeking asylum not to be harassed by far-right people othering them. That's what he might say. He's not here to speak for himself. But let's listen to this clip on the same programme, Herman, and then you'll get to respond to that. Shane O'Curry, Irish Network Against Racism. Part of the, the strategy, you know, apart from um, uh, people posing as citizen journalists and, and effectively putting a target on these places, um, is a, a very concerted strategy to put out false rumours uh, through social media uh, means, so through um, Facebook groups, in WhatsApp groups, and so on. So, um, you know, spreading lies, uh, egregious lies sometimes about migrants, um, uh, it, it intended to stoke up fears. So labelling migrants, associating migrants with criminality, um, cr creating an issue around, uh, the, you know, the document status of some migrants, uh, using tropes such as unvetted males and so forth. Uh, and these are intended to elevate people's concerns and fears um, and to sow division and create a climate of fear in communities. Herman, a broken clock is right twice a day. Are there some in the, I don't know, in this battle for Ireland's future? Are there some, even if they're a small minority, do some people fit that description given by Shane Curry there? Are there those who are, for want of a better way of putting it, shit stirrers who hate migrants and who want to make life difficult for them and are taking advantage of this real problem that you've been discussing with me several times on this programme? He, he, he's trying to portray people who are who, parents who are concerned about the security of the children as they walk down the, the street to school, he's trying to portray them as some small minority. According to the Red Sea poll done on the Sunday Business Post during the summer, 75% of the population of Ireland have had enough of immigration. They have 25% 
of the people, their chief concern in the next election cycle is about immigration. So concerns about immigration is a mainstream opinion. And I would say that it is people like Mr. O'Curry and those who are in government at the minute who are power in the, the media, in the NGO class and in the what is effectively a uni party of most of the political parties in the doll at the minute are in favour of mass immigration while the vast majority of people in Ireland are opposed. So we are the mainstream position. Mr Curry and co are the extreme position. People have every right to be concerned and to express their concerns clearly and publicly uh, that they are not being listened to and they don't want any more immigration into Ireland because like, we don't have the capacity to, like, there's a number of points. One, we don't have the capacity, the housing, the amount of healthcare, the schooling capacity to take all these people. But I would say primarily the main problem is that it's Irish people's right to decide how many people come into our country and for how long they reside here. It's not anybody who wants to rock up can come in and get a free house in Ireland. That's not right. We're a people, we have a national democracy. We as a people should be the ones who decide our laws, our borders and our budgets and how we want to control the amount of people coming in into Ireland. And I think it's very fair. And every normal country outside the European Union, across the world, they all practice that. They all decide the 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 qualities, uh, the qualifications, sorry, the, the qualifications and the number and the skills of the people who come into the country. They, like, for example, in Australia, they decide what if we need 100 plumbers to come into Australia. If you're a plumber, if you've got the skills, we will take you, you come in, you work, you can get, our policy would be to have a temporary uh, work permit and residence permit for people who want to come and contribute to Irish society, coming over here, working here, etc. That's fine if you want to contribute. If if we need you, uh, you're welcome to come. You can stay for the the years of, for that we need you for the work permit and you have residence. But after that, it's uh, you can take the money that you've earned and all the skills and experience, and you can go to either your own country or move on to another country. But Ireland shouldn't be colonised permanently, and the culture and the people should not be changed permanently. And would that go for consent. everybody? Would that go for people, even if they were white Europeans? Oh, I look. I I never ever mention anything to do with race. The race. I have never mentioned it. So that whole thing about they try they try to portray this is all about ethnicity. Sorry, I'm not being glib know, now. I'm not I, being glib. You, I just have to. I just have Europeans to. If I didn't ask that, I'd be, I'd be uh, hammered. Ireland for a long time, but the, they're all. They all look the same. They all look the same color to me. Fair uh, enough. But they're different nationality and they've a different culture. Herman, different cu- couple couple of quick questions before um, we part company today. Herman Kelly is our guest. Herman is the president of the Irish Freedom Party. You'll find Herman on Twitter. You'll find the party on Twitter too. I will, of course, put links after the live show. I'll put links on the podcast notes. Two things just before we go, as as quick as we can. Richard Kelly, presumably no relation to yourself. Richard says, 
a lot of comments obviously coming in on this now. He says 65,000 Irish left Ireland in 2022. One of them, my own son, says Richard. And at the end of this month, my youngest son is heading away too. Now that's all he says. He doesn't, you know, contextualise that. So I don't know exactly what Richard is getting at. But I'm going to imagine that he's saying that Ireland might need some young men in the country to take up some jobs in agriculture and in factories and in, in other industries. What do you reckon? I, I agree 100%. And we, as Richard Kelly, no relation, <laughs> uh, points out there, we have a huge diaspora. Why are our young our young people cannot get a house, cannot afford a house, cannot find an apartment to rent? So they're emigrating to Australia and Canada and the UK. And w- uh, the Irish Freedom Party policy is to encourage Irish people abroad to come back, our diaspora, if we need workers, if we need people with skills, well, there's there's 4,000 doctors living abroad, working abroad. Uh, there's, we encourage our young people through the taxation system, through making changes in the law, especially to do with insurance, etc., that to uh, encourage and help young, talented Irish people to come back to contribute to Irish society and that they can live close to, to their own family and do play the hurling and football and participate in Irish life as they want to if they were given the freedom. But because of mass immigration and the housing crisis that's helped produce, many of our best and youngest are emigrating and we should reverse that and encourage our diaspora to come back home to live with their their family and their friends and their local communities. Herman, final question. It's to your credit that you come on the programme because I think you know where my thoughts are and yet you kind of come on anyway. Um, look, my, my thoughts are that we're all being played. That is, Irish, British people, people from Somalia, people from Syria, that there is an agenda for humanity. And I think it's fairly obvious now, and I don't say that arrogantly, that there are those who want to take us into a really dystopian era where everything we do, everything we think even, is monitored by the state and they'll use things like climate change and, and other manufactured, this is my opinion, crises to get us there. And I've always believed that one of the things they've done to distract attention away from that plan is played us off against one another. That's not to say that what you're saying is wrong. It isn't wrong. Obviously, it's very, very prescient. It's very, it's, it's, it's very serious if you're in a town or a village or a city in Ireland or in England and public, public services have been decimated and then there's a big influx of people coming in. I know it's a real problem. It's a present problem and it is legitimate. But I believe it's part of some wider agenda. Uh, and it's used to play us off against one another so that we're constantly bickering over these issues while this dystopian kind of future kind of unfolds or manifests around us. I'll give you the final word on that. You've got two minutes. What do you say to that? That's my genuine belief and I've thought that way now for a long time, Herman. Yeah, well, I, I as we saw during the COVID lockdown, that uh, the the rapacious greed of the government for more power to dictate to people is incredibly close, as we saw in saw it in action, and it's very dangerous. Now, cultural Marxism and those who advocate it is all about the destruction of uh, the nation state, the nation, the family, uh, and even down to the destruction of male and female and uh, sexual uh, distinction between males and females. Our vision 
is of where the importance of the individual, individual freedom, where uh, faith is an aspect of life, faith, family, fecundity, nationhood, the nation state, national, uh, like it's not only about personal freedom, but also about national sovereignty are very important. And that any sense of either state control or globalist control of our lives uh, should be fought against because personal freedom, the importance of family, the importance of the nation and the nation state to live in a national democracy is very important. Many nations have fought for the same thing for, for centuries. And it's important that the Irish people have an opportunity to, for our children to grow up in our homeland, be safe, be secure, have a chance of getting a house, a job, and living in an area which is safe and secure and which they can be happy. That's all we're looking for, to be a normal self-governing state in which the people and the family, families who live in Ireland are healthy, are happy, and they live in a democratic and free society. Herman, great to have your company today. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I have no doubt we'll talk again in the coming weeks and months about this issue. Godspeed to you. Thanks, Herman. Thank you, Richie, and to all your listeners. Bye for now. Herman Kelly, the president of the Irish Freedom Party, live on Monday's Richie Allen Show, talking to us even about the events at the hotel in Ballinrobe in County Mayo and in the wider context of what's really going on there. It's coming up now for a minute to the top of the hour. We're back. Thank you for all the lovely messages saying you're happy I'm back. I was only gone for two weeks. You're mad. All of you, you're crazy. Only two weeks and you've got me now till mid-April. I bet you're delighted. I bet you can't get over that. Wayne says, I don't believe they are genuinely interested in getting children or adults to return to a normal or anything like it, as proven by COVID and long COVID, uh, being used as valid reasons for staying off work and taking sickness benefits, even if the claimant would otherwise fail the point system. The fact they're still giving PCR tests to people shows they do not want anything like a return to normal. That's Wayne. Thank you. Yes, it's kind of, it's kind of, it is weird and bizarre. You might think I'm naive. I don't think I am naive. I would have thought that by now that somebody being offered a COVID test, even if they swallowed the bullshit of 2020, 2021, I, I have to say I'm pretty surprised that people are still taking PCR tests. I, I'd be, you know, astonished. So much so I'm, I'm going to, to ask people, I'm going to begin asking people who I meet if they're continuing to take the occasional PCR test. Uh, Richard Kelly came back. Thank you, Richard. Excuse me. <clears throat> I have a frog in my uh, throat. My voice has been rested, you see. It's like an engine. You've got to get it back up to speed. Richard came back to say his sons have left Ireland or one of his sons has left. His youngest is leaving because they simply do not see a future in Ireland. Thank you for clarifying that, Richard. I appreciate it. It is your Richie Allen Show. We're into 2024. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Now, Gaz came on to say, the more a country accommodates migrants and gives them free money, 
the more migrants will come. I believe in free movement across the world, but not with handouts and freebies over the needs of local people, says Gaz. Lewis says, Richie, did you know there is a Kalergi Prize for Integration? It's given annually. Zelensky won it last year. Uh, Previous winners include Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Thank you for that. Lewis, hi to John Heffernan, fleeing war in an Audi Q5. And you can't afford a doctor, says John. But is there any real evidence? I mean, I should have put this to Herman, really. Give me a break. I'm a tiny bit rusty. I mean, have people turned up in Ireland? in fancy German, I don't know, utility vehicles, sports utility vehicles, have they? Is there any evidence of that? Or is that just an urban legend? Hello to my friend Patricia in Zurich in Switzerland, who's looking forward to hearing our mutual friend Maria Heller. Me too. Hi to Brian in North Yorkshire. Hi to Don, who says the South African government is taking a case to the International Court of Justice. The case accuses Israel of genocide. It will go to court uh, later in the week, says Don. Thank you, Don. Hi to Julie Kanani, who has saved up a massive ironing pile for the return of the Richie Allen show. She's dancing around the kitchen while ironing, while listening, celebrating as we speak. Thank you, Julie. You're a mad woman. Uh, Hi to Dave Young. Richie, happy new year to everybody. Me, my wife and my kids have been really ill. It literally started the day after the NHS did the school flu nasal vaccines says Dave. It's been like a mix of full-on flu and food poisoning. The couple of other kids they know that didn't get the vaccine were also off sick. But all the other kids have been absolutely fine. Now my oldest of 16 years is determined to get it next time and it's very difficult to argue against it. Could the flu nasal vaccines actually be doing what they are meant to be preventing? And that is giving people the flu, asks Dave. I don't know, Dave. Thanks for the question. Hi to Ardo, who says, Richie, is charging to police protests an acceptable form of censorship, as most people won't be able to afford to? Ardo, that's an excellent question, but I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be accused of naivety again. And maybe I am naive. I don't imagine they're going to introduce any legislation, which will mean people will have to pay for the policing of their own protests. I mean, can you, can you imagine it? We decide to go to London. When I say we, I'm a journalist. I report on them. I don't participate. But if a number of people got together and said, you know what, this online safety bill is draconian. We're going to go to Leicester Square to protest against it. And the protest gathers momentum and it becomes tens of thousands of people. Do we really imagine that they're going to try to charge people for that? I don't think so. Feel free to accuse me of naivety if you choose, because I am naive sometimes. This is CCR and Bad Moon Rising. Greetings, Clearwater Revival or CCR. Bad Moon Rising, six minutes. It is past the hour of five o'clock. It's Monday's Richie Allen show. Massive interest in my guest. We'll introduce her in about 20 seconds. But before we do that, Kay was in touch to say, Richie, I do know somebody who recently took a PCR test, followed by Patricia, who says, still taking the PCR test, as Maria Heller would say, you can't fix stupid. 
And she joins us live on the line from Arizona. You coined that wonderful phrase many years ago, my friend. You cannot <laughs> fix stupid, can you? It's impossible. How are you, by the way? Happy New Year. And she's gone. Ah, we're back in the room, I think, now. She's gone. There's a bad connection there. Bad moon rising and all of that. Let me dial her back up. I gave her the big intro there and then it died out. Let's get her back on. Uh, if you'd like to join in, by the way, if you've got a comment for me or for Maria, leave it via the app for the program. Download the app. Google Play. Download it via Apple or go to commentliveonrichieallen.co.uk. You're back in the room. Somebody was interfering with us. Welcome back and Happy New Year, Maria. Happy New Year to you too. What a year. What a year we just finished and I have a bad sense this one's going to be even crazier. Well, you're going to have a lot of fun this year. I, I know it does drive you a bit mad, but I know you have a lot of fun because you've got an election coming up this November and what a choice you probably will have. You've got a serial sex... Look, I'm, I'm not going to describe Donald Trump in my terms. I'll leave it there. But you've, you've got two complete lunatics. You've got a guy who isn't awake, who isn't compassmentous, who isn't cognizant. And then you've got Donald Trump. And that looks like being your choice in November, unless um, those states which have said they will not allow uh, Donald Trump's name to be on the ballot, unless they prevail and that actually uh, becomes finite, it becomes final. What do you reckon to all of that? Well, first of all, he has no right to be on the ballot anywhere in the country. Uh, the man is a criminal. He's got more cases against him than cases of Miller Lite. Uh, everything he's done while he was in office was criminal acts. He's a threat to our national security besides serial rapists. Uh, and yet he's, you know, the hero of the Christian uh, evangelical movement. Trump actually posted a, a video that he was chosen by God. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a while. I hope, I'm really hoping and, and sending all my energy I can to him being disqualified or locked up before the election. What is it about him, Maria? Because you you know as we've been speaking for over 10 years and some of our friends who've been doing, you know, this work, not as long as you, but who've been doing it for years, we know that it really doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office because shit rolls downhill, money rolls uphill, never the twain shall meet. It's always the same. What is it about right. him? Is it the sex scandals? Is it the abuse that he's been accused of. Is that the thing that really sticks in your craw? No, hell no. I mean, I've always known he's a pig, don't forget. He's only three years older than me, and I grew up in New York at the same time he did. So New Yorkers always knew what he was. So, you know, the only shock to New Yorkers was that this guy was running for president and actually got elected. Um, so, you know, think about the 91 federal charges against him. New York's about to break his bank. They ask him for a $370 million fine on his fraudulent business practices in New York. And let's not leave out all the classified documents and the missing intel file on Russia, which might be buried with his ex-wife on his golf course. Uh, I mean, this guy just goes on and on. The latest story is all the millions of dollars he took from foreign countries, including China, which he would verbally demonize, but took their money, 
while he was in office. I just questioned, did this guy do anything legal while he was in office? No, his supporters, question people he, he, should ask. His supporters maintain, and they're not all crazies. I, I, I know some of his supporters who are very articulate people, and like yourself, they're happy to be you know, questioned and they're happy for people to disagree with them. So, so I, I meet his supporters on this programme and I put these points to them and they often very lucidly, they say, Richie, OK, there might be elements of the man's character which are yeah. unpalatable. Uh, the man might be a womaniser. He might have um, he might have behaved inappropriately around younger women. We won't get into, you, you know, let's let's say that's true. But they say that many of the attacks on the man are motivated by people who are ideologically opposed to him, who hate him. And they point out that what's, what was wrong with Trump going to meet Kim Jong-un? What was wrong with Trump trying to maintain some sort of a cordial relationship with Vladimir Putin? Don't we want a world where leaders sit down and drink beer? and have sex, and don't fire nuclear missiles at one another, and start wars. That's what his supporters say to me, and they're not all crazies. What do you say? Well, listen, he put Kim Jong-un on the world stage. Okay, he accomplished nothing except his love letters between him and Kim Jong-un. Right now, Kim Jong-un is conducting live military drills on the South, Okay, and not afraid to say that they'll use nukes if they need to. Okay, so he put made this guy who was a nobody that no one wanted to know from, and he made him a superstar on the world stage. And he's an authoritarian. He did the same thing with uh, Russia. He did the same thing with Putin. And you know, Putin is now running for <clears throat> re-election, as if that's a real election in Russia. Uh, while, you know, Alexei Nalvani is in, you know, the, one of the worst prison camps you could possibly think of in Russia. Uh, so, you know, he palled around and, and brought uh, a lot of his love to other dictators like himself. And he's already announced that he will be a dictator on day one when he's elected. He's called uh, American citizens vermin. He says that migrants are polluting our, poisoning our, the blood of America. I guess he forgets his children are daughter, uh, children are uh, children of migrants. And uh, as far as his disgusting behavior and mental state, the guy is psychotic. He is anything but presidential material. Uh, so yeah. I just don't get it. Okay. And listen, I'm no big fan of Joe Biden either. Okay. I look at Biden and I'm looking at Netanyahu right now. The two of them need a war, a big war, to get reelected. As soon as that war in Israel is over, so is Netanyahu's career. But it isn't, even our State Department knows that. Isn't before we move away from Trump, because there's obviously some really serious issues we're going to chat about. But but isn't Biden and wasn't. George H.W. Bush and wasn't Obama. They were just quieter, less volatile versions of Trump, weren't they? I mean, they were. I would argue they were because. Well, I don't know. Obama and uh, Biden didn't show up on Jeffrey Epstein's list. But but, but Clinton did. For all we know, you know but did. for all Trump we know, did. I'd be very surprised if Barack Obama didn't know Jeffrey Epstein. But the point I'm making is. Um, Obama's administration dropped more bombs overseas 
than Bush's administration and so on. I mean, regardless of the nature of these people's personality, the fact is that horrendous things happen. What I'm saying is it wasn't any more horrendous when Trump was president than it was when Obama was or George H.W. Bush was, sorry, George W. Bush or Bill Clinton. For for me, it's just a stage and these people are actors. Trump might be particularly repugnant. The United States is run by two things, the military industrial complex and the uh, corporatocracy. So they do whatever the military tells them to do, and they do whatever the big corporations that run this country tell them to do. So looking at 2024, for me, and, and you know, your, your listeners are free to do whatever the hell they want to do. For me, there is a choice, and there's always been a choice. The choice in America has always been a third-party run. Now, had we had Bernie Sanders elected, where the Democrats made sure that didn't happen, a lot of what's going on in this country would not be. Bernie is the only one speaking out against our support of Israel. Uh, And now we have uh, another gift in the third party. We have Bobby Kennedy Jr., who, if you listen to his speeches, not the slams from our Israeli-owned propaganda machine called mainstream media in this country. I think that Bobby Kennedy has a great shot of being the first third party candidate to win the presidency. And he's a real supporter of the Israeli genocide in Gaza, though, isn't he, Bobby Kennedy? Listen, they all have to be. You remember Cynthia McKinney when she was in office and I interviewed her. Actually, I voted for her when she ran for president and then interviewed her. And she talked about the loyalty pledge that every single member of Congress has to take to the Israel. Pact, the pact, yeah, I remember it. Okay, yeah. so it, when unless Americans wake up to the fact that Israel controls uh, our politics, they control our media, uh, and the only way to break that control and to stop that war is to stop sending Israel $50 million a day to continue their genocide against the true Semites, the Palestinians. Can I just say this to you? You know this to be true because I've known you for years. I love you. I love listening to you. I, I will always listen to you. There is absolutely no but coming here. There is no but at all. What I'm going to say is I'm tired, not of you now, but I'm tired of hearing this old chestnut about you can't say anything against Israel, you've got to keep quiet until you get into office. The reason why I'm tired of hearing that is it's because eventually these people get into office and the status quo remains. They never do anything about Israel. They never sanction no. Israel. No. So so this Bernie Sanders nonsense, you know, and, and Bobby Kennedy. Um, I have no time now for Bobby Kennedy, if I ever did have, because he hasn't got the courage to say what's happening in, gen- in Gaza is that men, women and children are being grotesquely blown to pieces in their tens of thousands. If he can't say that, and look down the camera and say, I have nothing against Jewish people. I have Jewish friends. This isn't Jews. This isn't Judaism. This is madness. If he can't do that, Maria, he's not fit for any office. That's just my opinion. Back to you. Well, he, you know, he, he did speak that he's against both of the wars. He's against war, period. 
but you, like I said, if you don't kiss the ass of Israel, you are not getting anywhere in a country that is led by Israel. Despite the fact that we're in this proxy war, because that's what it is, because the United States is as involved as it could possibly be, the only country on earth, basically, that supports this. Uh, if you don't kiss their ass, remember, Israel's got kinds of weapons and spyware. How many times have they been caught you know, with their spyware in America and other countries as well? Uh, I don't understand why we are still supporting Israel. It's not a democracy. As soon as this war, Netanyahu thought this war would dissuade all the uh, protest and rebellion in his own country for wanting to change their laws and the judiciary, etc. That's right. That's right. That stuff has already started. The protests are still going on, regardless of the war. Uh, but why are we funding genocide by the Israeli army, which is exactly the same as the Nazi soldiers were, uh, the horrific stories of the men and women and children being stripped down, spit on, uh, burnt, uh, raped, uh, let alone murdered, uh, is just incredible. And yet this morning on my new show, the Department of... Uh, God, which, which is it, the Department of whatever, whoever's in charge of the military here escapes me right now. They said that they're not convinced that there's a genocide going on in, in Gaza. What is it going to take? Netanyahu said that he's in, get this, Richie, secret talks with the Congo to send the Palestinians to the Congo. Yeah, I see that here. Okay. The Congo has said... We're not aware of any such talks. So it's just more propaganda coming out of another lying sack. Uh, and it needs to be stopped. I resent as a U.S. taxpayer that my money is funding that war, that genocide. Were, were you referring by any chance to Randy George, you know, the chief of staff of the U.S. Army? I don't know if you were referring to him. Uh, it, I think it was, I don't know, I should really bring my notes up. Oh, by the I way, just, can I just say? I had, so, I had so much news on my show, it's hard for me to remember this, that, the other. I mean, it just doesn't slow down. I just got to say, by the way, we, we owe Maria a big a big thanks. Her, her show, which you'll find, and I do recommend you subscribe to Maria.net, M-E-R-I-A.net. Her show should have dropped now, but she has delayed it in order to come on this program and we're we're at a different time slot these days so thank you for doing that my friend you'll oh, catch Maria's show my pleasure but, but I did find it it's the US State Department here's the direct quote from the US State Department go on we have not at this point seen acts that constitute genocide Jesus so I mean what did they need to what do what is it going to take you know yeah. what I'm saying Richie I mean, to me, I've been saying this not just because of the war, but for years now. If you look at the standard of living in Israel, they have a much higher standard of living, much more freedom than we have in the United States. And yet we were previously sending them $13 million of our taxpayer money a day. Why are we supporting them? What do we get in return for that money? 
Yeah, I was listening with great interest just before Christmas to the Joe Rogan podcast. And um, he's an interesting character, Joe Rogan. I know you know all about him. But he was he made this very point. You know, you had that weather event, whatever it was, in Hawaii, which caused all that devastation. And um, he said there wasn't even a, a discussion or a mention about redirecting money or funding to Hawaii to deal with it. And yet the, you know, tens of millions of dollars go to Ukraine or tens of millions of dollars go to Israel, but never money for U.S. citizens when when they need it. Maria Heller is her guest. You mentioned Netanyahu. You think Trump is bad. I mean, Netanyahu takes the cake, doesn't he? You're quite right, right well, of course. I always like to pronounce his name Netanyahu. Yeah, yeah, or Netanyahu. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, you know, you mentioned Maui uh, and Lahaina. What our government did was an embarrassment, Richie. They gave them a one-time payment That's right. of $750, which might buy you, you know, uh, one day at, a, at a, a hotel in Hawaii. There are still, all these months later, Richie, 6,200 families that are unhoused in Hawaii. And $13 million Almost. a day to Israel. Right. To, 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 well, now it's 50. It's 50 millions a day now because of the war. To drop bombs on Gaza. To, to tell drop bombs on innocent people that have been living in an open-air prison since the Balfour Declaration. Uh, you know, one of the, again, a man who was a third-party candidate who they didn't give a chance, Ralph Nader, wrote a wonderful piece on that. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be demonized for it. Uh, but like I said, $50 million a day or $13 million a day, the amount of homelessness in America is off the charts, Richie. It's soaring like a rocket, okay? You've got all these hedge funds that went in and bought all the housing, tremendous amount of the housing. Uh, then what did they do? They jacked people's rent two, three times over. So you've got, we've got families even here in Phoenix. The eviction rate is higher now than ever before. And in Phoenix, you only get 30 days to be kicked to the street. What if I told you that this is going on in lockstep in Britain, in Ireland, in France, in Spain? Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it in the news. Do you know what? We never talk about this enough, do we? We don't talk about this enough. That scam, it's one of the biggest scams in the world. That fake financial crisis of 2008, which was used as the pretext to put people into default in their mortgage payments, to swindle millions of people out of their houses, and then, as you brilliantly put there, sell those houses to vulture funds, as we call them, hedge funds, as you said, and then people mm -hmm. end up going to rent those houses at exorbitant rental rates. It's right. all, that's all about the Great Reset, isn't it? It's all about Agenda well, 2030. Well, it's the Great Reset. We go back to a topic we've discovered... We, you and I have discussed for years Agenda 2030. And if people don't see this Agenda 2030 happening in their face, when you have families where the dad's working two jobs, the mom's working a full-time job, and they can't keep in their homes because their landlords took their rent from 1200 to 3600 I mean... If you're making minimum wage, which they're still arguing in this country for $15, I think Phoenix, as of the first, 
raised it to $14.36. Uh, and you know basic math. There is no way on a full-time job making that money that you can afford 2000 plus a month rent. No, most people are paying as much as 60% of their wages on rent. Right. Not right. even and utility bills. What does that bills. leave you with? What about people that are on fixed incomes? Okay, a lot of old people getting kicked out. I mean, I watch these on YouTube every night. You know, a 90-year-old woman has to leave her place that she's rented probably like for 20 years because they jacked her rent up so high. Where's she supposed to go? Okay, I'm watching women my age who work full-time jobs, who have had to move into their cars or a van or, you know, the latest thing they want to sell everybody in America on now is these tiny houses. Okay, so basically live in a box. Uh, and this was all predicted. It's right there. Everybody can go read Agenda 2030 uh, because their goal is for us to live in little boxes and stacked on top of each other. You know, a terrible city apartments, you know, these smart cities where you're not allowed in or out without a special pass, where Either. you're forced to use public transportation, where you're on the government dole for food and whatever other necessities you need. Uh, we've been warning people, I know I have, for 24 years, okay? This is a worldwide issue. I do see the homeless situation in the UK. I see the rental situation in the UK. Um it's just that people have to understand that they want to move us into a transhuman state of living where humans are at the bottom of the barrel. Do you know this morning there was a there was a uh, entertainment correspondent, a nice sounding young woman from Los Angeles, and she phoned into the BBC in London to talk about the what was it last night? The Golden Globes, was it, or something like that? Yeah, last I don't night. even watch. No. I have no interest in those things. If you'd said you'd watched it, I would have had a heart attack and dropped dead. No, I have no interest. Listen, America celebritizes not. the worst people among us. We overpay the worst people among us. Okay, look at our sports figures. How many more of them are going to get busted for rape or God knows what else? The most idiotic people. But you right, know well, our school teachers can't afford to drive into Manhattan because now they want to charge you extra money to drive into Manhattan. They think that's going to reduce the congestion, so they have to go on strike. Our school teachers get paid nothing. Uh, you know, the important people, the jobs we need to keep the country running get paid bupkis to fighting for, you know, $15 an hour when, when you need $40 an hour just to exist. Uh, so I have no use for those kind of award shows, okay? I have no use for sports, okay? I don't even cover them on my show. No, I don't to cover sports either. It's just too stupid, okay? It's too trivial. It was something she said which was very interesting. Um, I want to come back to what you said about New York and congestion because you will have an answer for our listeners as to why the world's major cities are doing the same things at exactly the same time. We'll come back to that in a minute. But um, this entertainment correspondent was speaking to the BBC and they talked about how people watch television differently in 2024 as, we, as opposed to as we did 25 years ago. And she talked about streaming and people watching things on demand and all of that and internet and blah, blah, blah. And then she made a wise crack. 
this woman. I was going to play the clip on the show earlier, but I, I didn't. Uh, she made a wisecrack about theming television into people's brains directly. And she sent this huh. on BBC Radio 5 Live this morning. It's a national programme. And the presenter laughed. There's a woman called Felicity Hanna. The presenter, she laughed. And she went, oh, yeah, like a chip. And the correspondent from Los Angeles said, yeah, you know, to how people receive television is evolving all the time. And it won't be long. And I got to thinking about the Neuralink project run by Elon Musk's companies, which are already um, experimenting on placing chips on people's brains so they can download the internet without actually sitting in front of a computer or a phone. And I thought, wow, they're openly talking about this and nobody is horrified by it or is scared about it or is cautionary about it. It's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be able to watch TV in our minds in a few years' time. Isn't that terrifying? Listen, everybody should read the book Operation Hollywood just to see how much uh, mind control and programming is already involved in what people watch. Uh, You know, you've got even the creators, because I've been watching a lot of YouTube on these robots that pretty much look and sound and act like humans. Now they've got female robots that can basically service men. Uh, Some of these robots that have been questioned uh, the you know, will you guys think about taking over the world? I forget. I think it's Sophia, the famous one, and she she admitted to it that we could we could destroy humans. Uh, Elon Musk, same thing with supposedly a robot that went crazy in his factory and attacked somebody. Uh, anybody that lines up for that chip might as well just sign their life and soul away. Uh, But it's interesting because I also saw a piece last night that here in America, a lot of people did switch over to streaming, myself included. Okay, I haven't had TV in my house for, oh, God, it's got to be 25 years. Uh, But streaming seduced everybody with their cheap prices. But now that people can't afford to pay rent and eat, a lot of people are dropping their streaming service. So my sense is if they were to do this implant for TV, which is ridiculous, uh, if they made it cheap enough, people would probably do it. They'd queue up for it, wouldn't they? You see them queuing for the latest iPhone outside of Apple's stores. Of course, in fact, when Musk's company put out feelers to attract, you know, volunteers, they were inundated with, with correspondence from people saying, yes, yes, use my brain. Yeah, I can. I'd love to be able to download the internet in my mind, rather than right. going online. It is great. Can I go back to something you said? Maria Heller is our guest, by the way, one of our um, longest recurring guests. In fact, she's the longest recurring guest on the program. Maria podcasted before anybody else. That's not an idle boast by me. She is the longest running podcast on the internet. Uh, the Maria Heller Show, maria.net. It's M-E-R-I-A. Um, even if you love Trump, and, and if you do, there's something wrong with you, by the way. Um, listen to Maria, because she covers a the entire gamut of subjects related to the Great Reset. There is no better broadcaster than Maria Heller, and that's my opinion. M-E-R-I-A dot net. Not at all, I mean it. I don't say that to... I, I only say that to every third guest. Now, come, oh. come, come, come here and I tell you. Th- th- this thing you said about Manhattan and getting fined or charged, why is it that in every capital city in the world, well, not everyone, 
but in so many at the same time. If all of this stuff is happening in lockstep, it's not a coincidence. Who's running it? I mean, we get laughed at when we say, you know, Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates or your man George Soros. Where is all of this stuff coming from and why is it all happening at the same time, in your opinion? You've got to understand, as I say regularly now on my show more than ever, this world is run by demons, okay? I look at the leaders of most of these countries and not a one of them have any humanity about them. So if you don't have any human compassion and qualities, you're a demon, in my opinion. Uh, You've got the super rich running everything, okay? Do you think having to pay every day, let's say it's 25 bucks, all right? It's probably going to be more than that. Uh, $25 a day just to drive into Manhattan is going to hurt rich people? It's not. Okay, this is all the war on the poor. And not only do they want the poor to go, Uh, They would like to see the poor die, just like they'd like to see the seniors die in this country, okay, because to them, we're useless, okay, even though I still pay taxes. uh, I think the reason that even with the the COVID shots, you know, let's, let's give them to seniors first, is to kill us first, because we know our rights. We think we still have the capacity for critical thinking. Obviously, a person who's going to put a chip in their brain doesn't have a brain capable of critical thinking. Um, And if they can get rid of people that live through history, you know, when I look at, you know, my age right now and I'm like, shit, I've lived through history. I've been alive since before television. Okay, Uh, And I've witnessed a lot of political assassinations. You know, I've lived through them. Uh, I've witnessed one horrific president after the other. I've witnessed the systematic uh, attack on the middle class. The middle class no longer exists in the United States. Uh, So they want to keep everybody poor and hungry and dependent on their government. Uh, And then you will do whatever the government tells you to do. And like with Brave New World, they'll give you the Soma pill, even if it's a chip in your head. So you can live in virtual reality because real reality sucks for you. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, but what a horrific story I had um, on my last new show. Some girl was playing a virtual reality game. I don't know what game it was where, you know, you're interactive, you're immersed in it. And she was gang raped inside virtual reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the police are trying to find out what happened because even though she wasn't physically in this life, physical body raped, Because she experienced it in virtual reality, she has all the same emotional and mental issues of being gang raped. So if everybody thinks virtual reality is going to be some kind of paradise on Earth or, you know, the next Eden, uh, they need to pay attention to what happened to this girl. Yeah, I did read that. That that is mind blowing no pun intended it's 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 you know it's sickening. it's sickening yeah it really is on on that um god there's so many comments coming in from people pandora uh, mentioned yep. mentions ulez uh, which is what it is in london ultra low emission zone pandora is a, is amazed that it's happening in 
the US just like it's happening in London and elsewhere. William says Facebook already has mind reading technology. Don't believe it asks William. Put it to the test and you'll soon see. And Elizabeth who's listening to this in Spain loves listening to you and even though she doesn't always agree with you you're about the same age she reckons. Uh, You remind her of a great friend she had in the States with whom you could converse with and agree to disagree which is a skill that has been sadly lost, I think, the ability to have a good old chat and not always see eye to eye. This this whole, God, there's so much um, that, that came out of that. And what, what well, do you... Th- I mean, you know, everybody, you know, if you've read Brave New World, yeah. I mean, you know, you, people have to remember Huxley and uh, Orwell. They were insiders. This stuff they wrote did not come out of their imagination, Okay. They were inside as well. All of this was being planned. That's how their books came to be. Uh, and now here we are living, uh, you know, a mix, a mix of their books with a mix of the worst horror films we've ever seen as children. Uh, I don't know uh, what it will take uh, to wake up the majority of people. Are you prepared for the possibility that it won't happen and that you and me and people we know will have to work around this new great reset way of living because I've come to terms with it. I'm not pessimistic. I am not. And I'm not somebody who gives up. But I, I just don't see in the short term anyway this agenda slowing down because it's getting worse and worse as days go by. So if you wow. kind of mentally prepared yourself for the fact that you'll have to somehow try to coexist with this new terrible draconian way of living. Um, I think about it. I don't think about it too often because putting those thoughts in your head can really uh, be self-destructive. I'm going to continue doing what I do no matter what. I'm going to continue to live my life until I get free of this life. Uh, I'm going to continue to warn people. I'm going to continue to look for segues to talk to people, which I do all the time. Uh, So if you can find something that you agree with with somebody, start the conversation with what you agree with. uh, And then you're able to have peaceful dialogue on the things you disagree with. Uh, I don't get into fights with people if they are hostile. What's the point? I don't need that shit in my life. Uh, But, you know, you know that I go to the gym every day and there's always a variety of new people on the bike next to me or the treadmill next to me or whatever. And I always look for something, some commonality. And then once they like me enough to have a conversation, we can talk about these things. I have not gotten into a screaming match with anybody over any of it. There's no point. You've got to realize we're all in this together. We all have the same needs. We all have the same wants, except for our leaders. They don't care whether we live or die. So if we keep fighting against each other, they continue to laugh all the way to the bank. And it just pushes their agenda further. Remember, we're in 2024 now, Richie. We're six years away from 2030. Which is nothing really, is it? I mean, in 2030, here they plan to ban the sale of diesel and petrol cars. 
they plan. I wanted to talk to you about something that's happening in Europe. But just before I do, um, Maria Heller is our guest. Do check out Maria, uh, M-E-R-I-A dot net. I know you have. But if you're new to this program, and you might be new to uh, Maria, check her out. She's an outstanding broadcaster with tens of thousands of hours of interviews and discussions about these topics and more. The archive is amazing, maria.net. This from Isabel about AI. It's a good question, this. She asks you, Maria. She's been thinking about artificial intelligence and how it can easily replicate the voice of somebody and maybe even how somebody looks. Um, she, She wonders, should we not all take legal steps to protect our voice and to protect our image to ensure that it isn't used against their will by AI technology, especially genuine people in the independent media like Maria Heller. Now, she just searched the internet, Isabel did, and here's what it says. While the main focus in protection is directed towards copyright laws, many music industry insiders have emphasised the importance of so-called likeness laws, as they claim an artist's likeness is based on their voice, and so such laws will protect musicians against unauthorised use of their voice. Is that something that people who do not sing, now you might sing in the shower, but I know you don't sing on uh, the Maria Heller show, but is that something we need to consider? about how we could be replicated and our voice could be taken and replicated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what the actors and the writers' strike in America was all about. The fact that they can no longer use their likeness or their voice uh, in further uh, movies or, or whatever, TV shows, whatever. And they did get to win that battle. Now, whether the average regular person uh, has that option to them. I don't know. You know, back in the 60s, we had a song that said, you know, believe only half of what you see and none of what you hear. But now you can't believe any of what you see and what you hear because you don't know if it's AI or not. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to duplicate my voice, you know, whatever, have at it, you know. Just to make sure you curse as regularly as I do, and then maybe people will believe you. Well, that's right. But it could be incredibly destructive because somebody... Absolutely. Yeah, somebody could Absolutely. put a program online. Somebody could There's put so a- many videos on um, that look very interesting on YouTube, okay? And I'll click them because I want to see what it's all about, especially, the, you know, these robots coming out of Japan. Uh, but as soon as I hear that robotic voice in the video... I can't watch it. I'll turn it off. Okay. And it's funny the way they try to pronounce names because they never get the pronunciation right. So, you know, their AI isn't as smart yet as they want it to be. Uh, So it's really what choice do people have? I have been pushing for decades for a global strike. Only a global strike of all us little people can stop the handful of people that are in power. You're 100% right. This is the only answer. It is the only answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, democracy, there's no such thing. Um, The the house, if the house is a casino, it controls every side of it. You're absolutely right. People refusing to comply on a massive scale is the only answer. And getting there is so difficult. I mean, it's a mountain that's so steep 
you'd All need right. you'd need a spaceship to see the summit of this mountain, wouldn't you? That's how Absolutely. big it is. But you're right, yeah, it's the yeah. only way. Uh, you know, years ago I had this ex-military guy on my show. Uh, I forget what, what his book was called, but he was great. I, I believe it was Stan Goff. And we were talking about guerrilla warfare. Because I don't know what war we were involved in then, okay? Whether it was Iraq, Afghanistan, don't remember. Uh, and he said to me that the reason that the United States could never win against guerrilla warfare is those people have nothing to lose and they fight like they have nothing to lose. And right so is on people their side. don't start fighting now before they lose everything, once they lose everything, it's going to be a whole different ball game. Do you think that? Because yeah, that's a very optimistic thing when you think about it. So that when all else is gone, when all the, when all the material things are gone and there's nothing left to hold on to that, that at that point people might say or they might be compelled to 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 act against um you know well, the, look, the hidden hand look how many people right now are compelled in i don't know what it's like in the uk how many people here have to steal food because they can't afford it how many people are breaking into empty homes and squatting because they need a place to live okay that's just going to continue to grow uh, until something changes. And unfortunately, things don't change in a peaceful way when people are hungry. Okay, because I look at the crime in America. And by the way, homicides were at their lowest point ever this year, even with all the shootings I cover on my show every day. I have like a separate section for shootings. Uh, but sooner or later, and the thing is, if people actually stopped and realized who the problem is and took their fight to the people in control, then they could succeed. But fighting each other, Democrat, Republican, Trump, a Biden fan, blacks against whites, straights against gays, that's what they want. It's the old, you know, keep the people divided. As long as we're divided, they can control us very easily. And uh, but if we all united on the uh, what we have in common, it would be game over for them. You've just summed it up there. Th that is the only, it's, it's the tyrant's only tool. It really is. It's their most potent tool. And they use it. And it works time in and time out, time and again. And that is divide and conquer. Get people Absolutely. riled up against their neighbours, as you said so eloquently there, based on identity politics. And while we're right. doing that, I said this to my first guest. My first guest was an Irish nationalist called Herman Kelly. He's a really good guy, Herman. But, you know, he's, he's, he's um, really concerned about mass migration into Ireland at the moment and the problems it's causing. And of course, because he's concerned about it, he's been labelled by the Irish media as a far-right Nazi, even though he isn't. But I, but I put it to him at the end. I said, listen, do you not see that migrants are not your enemy? You're not the enemy of the migrants. Yes, the, the uncontrolled migration is a huge problem for the native people. Of course it is. But ultimately, we have the same enemy. The migrant person does. We do. And it's exactly what the system wants. It wants us screaming about migrants and, as you said, sexual politics and gender politics. And it right. seems to me to be so obvious, Maria. 
Richie, there's a simple solution to the migrant issue. If countries like America, the UK, you know, the big countries in power, if we stopped stealing from and destroying and warring on these other countries, displacing millions of people, there would be no migrant problem. But when you have corporations running the world and international banksters running the world, uh, where are these people supposed to go? Absolutely. Okay? If, if the UK got bombed tomorrow, where will the British people migrate? What if people won't want to let you guys in? You're 100% you know, right. The United States has destroyed the economy of so many, so many countries. We've either destroyed their economy by going in and stealing everything of value they have, or we've waged war on them and made their places unlivable like Gaza is. Where are those people supposed to go? You are 100% right. And again, there is no but, I'm going to say, yet. If you live in a village in Ireland and you've got no money and public services have been completely collapsed and all of a sudden they bring 200 young men into a hotel from Syria or from Africa, while you're right in what you said, that doesn't mean anything to the people in that village. Because all no, of a sudden their life, their life, which is already very, very difficult, has become even more difficult. And what? Although the same thing is happening here. You yeah. know, they'll take the migrants and put them in hotels. I think they have a 30-day limit. Then they kick them to the street too. While our homeless, and, and a lot of our homeless in America are veterans, are saying, why them? We're not getting any help. Why are they getting, you know, a hotel stay? Uh, instead of them saying, what caused these people to have to flee their country? Okay. And we have a common Nobody enemy. Nobody thinks about that, but God, it has to be 22 years ago. I covered that with a guy who put out an excellent comic book on our foreign policy. The U.S. foreign policy is why they hate us. Uh, and, and most Americans are in the dark about our foreign policy. They literally think the money we give other countries is to help people, you know, get food and buy clothes and, yeah. you know, have a life. It's all military. And it's not because of any stupidity. It's because of the education system and it's because of the news media. We're just about up on time today. Listen, great to have you back on the first show of 2024. For me, I took a, a longer break than you did, so I'm only back today. Thanks for delaying the publication of your latest show for us. I really appreciate that, Maria. Oh, that's okay. Well, that's do you know what? That right. was That was like the Dallas Cowboys not playing <laughs> a game of football so that the New Orleans Saints <laughs> well, could play. Well, you know what? One of the weird things about getting older is you wake up a whole lot earlier. <laughs> I love that, you see. <laughs> so now I get my work done a whole lot earlier. Well, it suits you... me. It suits me because I moved my show back by an hour, which wouldn't normally suit you. But if you're getting up a little bit earlier, it'll suit us through 2024. Folks, Maria's latest programme will be available shortly on mariamerioia.net. Do subscribe to her and support genuinely brilliant independent journalism. Um, I repeat, Happy New Year. Thanks for today and you'll be back Thank on again you. soon. Thanks, Maria. Thanks so much for having me, Richie. It's an absolute honour every time. Thanks, Maria. Uh, the great Maria Heller live on Monday's Richie Allen Show. As I said, for Maria's listeners, 
which are legion. If you're waiting for her programme today, it'll be online very, very soon in the next um, half an hour, I would guess. Thanks so much to Maria for that. Uh, That's it for the programme. Thank you for your messages today. Really appreciate them. I'm back with you tomorrow at four. Of course, there will be a podcast tomorrow morning, sometime before 7.30. I'm going to commit to that, just before 7.30. It might be earlier sometimes. Sometimes it might be a little later. But it'll be every morning. It's called The Papers. It began back in November, I think, or October. So that'll be online tomorrow early enough. The Richie Allen Show is live. That will be on at four. And as I said, I'm with you now till the spring, uh, at which point I'll take a week off. That's April. You like to know this shit. You ask me, so I tell you. You ask me, when are you going to take a note? I won't take a break now till the middle of April. I've already booked it, by the way. So you've got me for three months. All right. And Sunday Morning Melodies is back. It was back yesterday. That will be on air every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock UK time. Somebody made a comment. It wasn't unkind. I understood it. They said the website has been neglected a bit. There hasn't been too much by way of news stuff. No, there hasn't because I've only got one pair of hands. I'm doing a podcast now and a live radio show. I don't have time to update the Richie Allen website, which is going to be overhauled and refreshed and given a new look in any case. So bear with me. I don't like the fact that the website doesn't update very often with new stories. I just don't have the time to do it. I'm only one man, right? You understand this. This is a one-man band. Anyway, so I get that. I haven't put too many new stories on there. I'm going to work something out and maybe get somebody to do that on my behalf. I'm looking at maybe putting somebody in there to update the website daily. But that's going to take a couple of weeks in any case. Right, thank you so much to Herman Kelly, uh, Ireland's Freedom Party. Thank you, Herman, for coming on the Irish Freedom Party, I should say. And thanks once again to my friend Maria Heller. The website is maria.net. It is fantastic to be back. It really is. It really is fantastic to be back. Um, So I'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock UK time. Yeah, 4 o'clock UK time, that's right. From Richie Allen, your BBG. Have a wonderful Monday. Until mañana. Bye.